Hi there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know direct from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 18 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you'll find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take about the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. So today I have Father Patrick on, and he will be talking about Catholic ceremonies. We will get into a little bit if a Catholic ceremony is right for you, what you need to do to prepare for a Catholic ceremony, and also we go over how to customize a Catholic ceremony, which is a very unique approach. Regardless if you are Catholic or religious, This is a very informative episode for you. Whether you are a couple planning a wedding or going to be a guest at a Catholic ceremony, this is going to be an interesting episode as you will fully start to understand the sacrament of marriage in the eyes of the Catholic Church. And also you will have a new form of appreciation of what you are either participating in or witnessing. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my very informative episode and conversation with Father Patrick. Sarah, thanks so much for having me on. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and I am so happy that you accept our invitation because we have had so many listeners ask us about this exact subject that we're going to talk about, and I knew you were the person to be on. So thank you. We've had fun working weddings together in the past, so it's great to be great to be together. And I will say, just as a disclaimer, look, I'm not the Pope, you know, so my word on any of this is not the last word, but I will try to be as informative and accurate as I can. Love it. Well, with that said, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business? Fantastic. So my name is Father Patrick Briscoe, as you said, and I'm the editor of a national Catholic newspaper called Our Sunday Visitor. We've got a website. We produce a ton of daily content and a daily newsletter. But I stepped to that ministry after a few years of uh, ministering in Rhode Island. So that's where Sarah, you and I met at St. Pius V Parish Church. So my background before I got more involved in Catholic media was parish ministry. And as a parish priest, as a Catholic priest active in Rhode Island, I did a lot of weddings and they were a great joy. It was a lot of fun. I met a lot of wonderful couples. And I will say this, that every wedding was unique. So I think one of the big myths about a Catholic wedding that people have right from the top is that everything is formulaic and that there are no options and that every Catholic wedding is the same. And that's not really true because the couple, the personalities of the couples will shine through every ceremony. So there are some structures, there are some expectations that the church has for important reasons, and we'll share some of those. But as a priest, it has just been so beautiful to get to meet all of these different couples, people in all different walks of life who are celebrating their weddings in the Catholic Church. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what brought you into the the media side of things versus 
the ceremony side? Yeah, that's really that's a really interesting question. So for me, um, I've greatly enjoyed my time as a parish priest because I'm a people person. And that's one of the things that I that I sit down and I do right when I'm meeting with a couple. I, I still have three or four weddings that I'm doing this summer, even though I'm not, not in parish ministry. So so for me, it's those relationships and the people that I've met along the way that, that have always been really important. Um, I stepped into Catholic media, though, because one thing that one thing that weighed heavily on my heart was, again, all of the misconceptions about the church that that surround it today. There are some aspects of Catholic teaching that are difficult. Some of those, um, you know, come up in wedding planning, um, and some of those are some of those are 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 tough for some Catholics and non-Catholics to to hear and to handle. Uh, and so, I wanted to be part of the solution to that, right? To allow the Catholic position to be clearly explained, um, so that people could understand where where the church was coming from. You know, what our understanding of the gospel is. Uh, as we approach some of these questions. So, so that's kind of how I landed in the Catholic media space. Again, after my, my work at St. Pius V Parish, after teaching at Providence College, after serving actually as a chaplain at Providence College for a year. So a lot of work with young people, young couples. Um, and, and that really informed this desire of mine to, to help clarify uh, Catholic teaching and present just a, a dynamic and engaging uh, and compelling picture of Catholic life. So you definitely are the right person to have on the show today, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, let's hope. <laughs> so let's get right into it. I mean, we, I mean, as a as a wedding photographer myself, and you also perform so many different ceremonies. You kind of touched upon it already that there is a lot of people who feel that everything is so cookie cutter, right? So let's just kind of dive into it. So if you're getting engaged or you are engaged. How does somebody know or even start to wonder or like figure out if a Catholic ceremony is right for them? Well, you roll the dice and then you check the clouds <laughs> and you see if the pigeon feather falls on a glade of grass on the third month where there is a full moon. No, I mean, this is obviously, you know, some people feel like it's divination, uh, but we can give some, so we can give some, some clear, some, some clear prospects, right? So I, the first question, uh, the first question someone should be asking if you're listening to this episode, you're probably a Catholic, or maybe your your partner, your future spouse is a Catholic. Um, so so from the church's perspective, first of all, you know we ha- we want to say that marriage is a sacrament, which means that weddings are important for the church. It's an obligation and a duty for the church's ministers to officiate at weddings. So even though, and some couples have had this experience, even though the priest will act like it's a burden, uh, it's his job <laughs> to, to support you. This is, this is what it means to be in ministry, to, to help prepare couples for a sacrament, which they have a right to as Catholics. So, uh, so that's, the, that's the first principle that I want to say, that, 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 that from the church's perspective, that weddings, weddings are key and integral to life because they're the way that a couple is going to get the grace that they need for their relationship to continue to grow. So, so the wedding ceremony is, is essential. It's part of the priest's job. A couple shouldn't feel like a burden approaching a parish priest uh, to begin to, to discuss, uh, begin to discuss their ceremony. So to, to get really to the meat of your question though, where does a couple start? I think the best way is to talk to someone. And I know that can right out of the gate be an obstacle because a rectory office is going to be open from like 9 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. on Tuesdays and Fridays. <laughs> you know, so, the, so the communication thing can can be can be very difficult. And 
you know, just as friends here on the podcast, uh, I'll, I'll admit to you, I have not done the best job communicating with couples over the years, because as a priest, a lot of times there's not a lot of support. And you're, you're typically a one-man show with a parish secretary who may or may not know how to use email. And the email account is something like rectorycats487 at aol.com. And the couple and the couple right out of the gate can be panicked. So, so my, my first appeal is to, to contact the priest and then know that when you, when you do ask to speak to the priest or the deacon uh, who, who can help you guide, help you answer this question of whether a Catholic ceremony is right for you, know that there's gonna be a little bit of a feedback loop and it's not personal it's not uh it's not out of animus it's just the way that parish communications are in 2023. i think that's so i think that is such a wonderful little tip to just kind of think about because like you said i mean ultimately just because there might be a barrier a barrier in communication does not mean it's anything personal or does not mean that the end product won't be successful it's just like you said it sometimes it is what it is we're in this weird technical world where everybody expects something you know quickly but you, we have to understand the media that we're dealing with like you said a lot of times people are volunteers right you know and they're not in a quote-unquote office all day every day so it can be frustrating, and I think couples should have that in mind right out of the gate. Uh, there are many websites that will help you know lay out the basic questions. I mean, if you are if you are a, a Catholic and you're marrying a Catholic and you're both getting married for the first time, you will have the easiest time possible. Uh, the, that is the easiest of all worlds, having a Catholic ceremony. If you are uh, if you are a Catholic marrying a non-Catholic, it is very easy also to get married in the Catholic church. And sometimes this could be an obstacle for people too, because it wasn't that way. So our parents and our grandparents weren't necessarily raised um, in, in a Catholic church where that was even permitted. You know, So there will be stories in your families about Aunt, uh, Aunt Kate who got married to so-and-so in the rectory parlor because he was Jewish. Okay, that's not the case today. A Catholic can get married in the Catholic church uh, to whomever they're whomever they're they're marrying in a in a Catholic ceremony, so I, I think that's another historical obstacle that is there. Um, if you are if you are a Catholic and you are marrying someone and it's your second marriage, the Church will require an investigation. And so sometimes people have heard about this. If you've been divorced, um, uh, you'll have in your mind that it's not possible to get remarried in the Catholic Church. Well, my word to you is maybe. It's more complicated than just that, uh, because in the eyes of the church, your first wedding might not have been a valid wedding. So for example, if you were young and you got married in Las Vegas and there wasn't a minister of the church there, in the eyes of the Catholic church, that wasn't a church wedding. If you are now grown up and you're having your second ceremony and you decide that you, that you want to have a Catholic ceremony, uh, at that point, in the eyes of the church, that's your first ceremony. So it would be possible in that case, for example, to have a Catholic wedding. So there are there are extenuating circumstances like that. And again, this is why it's really key to talk to someone before trying to adjudicate your own situation to get get in, get in touch with a priest or a deacon um, who can lead you through some of some of those conversations. And then the last word of encouragement on that point, especially if you're someone who's been divorced and who is planning a second wedding again, the annulment process can seem at first very complicated. I have known many people who found in the annulment process extraordinary healing, liberation, and closure. 
So I, again, I think the reputation of this process is that, oh, it's you know church bureaucracy limiting the freedoms of my life, when my experience with the annulment process is actually people have gotten uh, their lives back because, because of the process. So that's what I would say out of the gate. That's very interesting what you just said, that there's a little bit of healing that comes with like you said, the process of going through an annulment, I would assume it's also on the other end too. Let's just out of curiosity, if you do decide that getting married in the church or having the Catholic ceremonies for you, is there anything that couples have to do to prepare for this? Absolutely, yes. Um, so the so again, these are not viewed by the church as obstacles to having a church wedding. They're not checkpoints. They're they're all in the service of the couple, helping the couple to move into the next phase of life. So a lot of churches will have about a six month to a one year period of preparation. You might've seen some news, if you follow Catholic news, uh, that that process has been changed globally by the Vatican. Uh, it, it has, but uh, again, how it's implemented in every place is different. So you'll have to find out what is followed in the diocese where you want to get married. Um, so again, that process typically is about six months to a year. It will involve several meetings with a priest, um, perhaps a weekend retreat. Um, one tool available is called the Focus Inventory, and it's fabulous. It's a, it's a psychological tool to help couples recognize what they have and haven't discussed. Um, and then there's a, another kind of technical process called the Premarital Inventory, which is administered by a priest. And basically it's a legal on behalf of the church, it's a legal process to declare that you have not been married before. Um, so the priest will the priest will ask the couple just a series of questions uh, to declare what their intention is as they approach the sacrament. So all of those things are part of what Catholics tend to call pre-cana or marriage prep. Uh, again, about six months. So that's a very interesting process that the church sets up for their couples because it must be almost very therapeutic for couples to go through that together. It's something that honestly every couple should be doing whether they're getting married in the church or not. I mean, it sounds like it's just really connecting to people to understand in, in, in the church the sacrament that they're taking, but in general, the life step that they're taking. Yeah, absolutely. Pope Francis loves the word accompaniment. Oh, I like and that. And so his vision, his vision is priests and deacons walking together with couples. You know, the goal, of course, being a happy, healthy, holy marriage, right? That That's the approach. And so uh, one of the beautiful things about marriage is that it could be an opportunity for a couple to decide this is the community that we want to belong to. But that can be very difficult for a couple if the Catholic partner does not feel like there's a church that I belong to. So one of the one of the consequences that I've seen in ministry over the years is that uh, is that there's been a lot of change, and so sometimes couples feel like, well, there's not a priest we know. Who do we ask to do our wedding? There's not a, you know, if if you're practicing, you don't necessarily even go to the same parish church the way that people once did. And so when when there's been that kind of uh, instability, which is not just about the Catholic Church, it's about a more globalized society, about people moving away from home with everything being more transient, um, it, which I feel like the pandemic has accelerated, there can be really this, this point of looking. And so what I would, couple, uh, what I would encourage couples, uh, that is what I would encourage couples to do is to really think about the, the place of their wedding, not just in the frame of what's the most beautiful church I can hold my wedding in, but what's the community where we want to belong to? Where is it that we want to, to build our life in? And that could be a neighborhood community, a parish community, 
um, uh, yeah, so so that's where I would start with that question. I'm so happy that you brought that up because that was actually my other question for you coming up was what if somebody does not identify with a certain church or maybe they're having a destination wedding or they do not know personally a priest I, you just answered it for me is that it sounds like just starting to think about where you want that community to be or where do you want to identify, you know, maybe it is the location where you're getting married or maybe it is going to be the community that you're moving to or that you are starting your life to with. So like you said, it goes back down to just kind of reaching out to the parish and then being patient and then starting <laughs> from there, right? Yeah, and you, you mentioned destination weddings, which are not an obstacle necessarily from the church's perspective, you know, especially if, um, especially if a couple has a has another kind of connection like for example you want to get married in your college town a lot of catholic universities have chapels available to couples for weddings uh, you know not not every catholic university is notre dame where you have to wait for years to get married in the basilica of the sacred heart okay there are, there are plenty of college chapels like providence college for example that that is available um to to a, a, alumni for weddings so that might that might be a beautiful option for a couple um an, another thing to consider for a couple is that if you if you wanted to have a destination wedding, it is possible and totally legitimate and uh, salutary even practice for a couple to approach a priest and say, you know what, for us getting married in the church is important, but we're not sure that all of our family and friends can appreciate that. So what we would like is just a simple ceremony with you, Father, with you, Deacon, before we go away for our wedding. I, I've only done that a few times, but I wish more couples would, would take advantage of that option because a Catholic wedding does not mean the blowout fest with 2,000 of your closest Italian relatives. You know, it, it doesn't mean that necessarily. It's so funny that you brought that up because that's exactly what my husband and I did. So we got married, you know, the with the pageantry for less of words, right? For the, uh, like on a certain day and we got married <laughs> out in a field and it was beautiful, it was a tented wedding. But we also then on a private, I think there was literally only 10 family members there, got our marriage blessed in the Catholic Church. And we were, I guess, renewal of vows because we did it after. Um, but it was very important for us that we that we wanted to have that sacrament of marriage. But like I said, the actual day we didn't do it in the Catholic Church. But I was going to say to you, the other thing I was going to ask you was for i've seen a lot of times where there's guest priests that come to different churches like i, I could tell that so for example some of my couples i can tell that this is their priest but it's not their church talk to me about that a little bit yeah that's right so there is some flexibility there you know i joked uh earlier about a, a couple wanting the most beautiful Catholic church they could find. And I deeply sympathize with that. Look, I wish every church were as beautiful as the Sistine Chapel. So there, there might be a space that you think, yes, this is it. This church has the aisle. This church has the lighting. Um, so so it depends on this. Basically, it depends on the schedule and the availability and the resources of a particular church to host a wedding. So some places will be more accommodating with that than others. And frankly, a lot of it has to do with the calendar. The beautiful churches, as you would expect, are in high demand, and they may or may not have the staff and uh, space to accommodate requests that come to them. So you might find that a pastor has decided the best way to handle that question in his own church is to say, well, we only host weddings for parishioners. 
this has to be your community. You have to belong here. Um, or some pastors will be, will be more uh, entrepreneurial, let's say, and they'll say, well, you know, we'll take anybody, but there's, you know, there's going to be a, a cost because my community needs your, your help making that contribution to our ministry. Um, so, so that can, that can vary from place to place. And again, the question of a guest celebrant is not a big one for, for the church priests move around to handle all kinds of things all the time, but there might be some administrative uh, aspects to that, that that'll be handled on the back end. So let's say a couple decides on a parish where they would like to have their sacrament of marriage. What are some other factors that this couple needs to now start to think about in regards to their ceremony? Yeah, so typically a parish priest is going to privilege the schedule of his parish. So that that means that it's not an open book for a couple approaching the church looking for a time for their wedding. So there might be a vigil mass or a, you know, a scheduled hour of confessions or other regular ceremonies um, and events for the local community that, that are kind of fixed. So couples should anticipate a priest of saying, well, this or that time may or may not be available. Some priests are very flexible and they're very open to things like Friday night weddings or Sunday afternoon weddings. Other priests are not. And they say that weddings can only happen on Saturday afternoons at a set time. So one thing that can be frustrating for a couple is if they if they set a, t a time with a venue and then don't have the availability at the church that they were expecting, uh, that that could be cause for a great crisis in planning. So what I would suggest is to try and get the date settled with the church because the church will have more limitations probably than the venue. If the venue is at your service, you've paid for it in a way that the, in a way that the church is not. There are more, more likely to be more restrictions in the church. And also, too, just kind of throwing something in the mix over there. As far as I go, I see this a lot where a lot of times my couples call me and they say, hey, I'm getting married at 2 o'clock. This is the time that the church had. But yet my cocktail hour at my venue is not till 5. We have this large gap. There are so many ways to fill that gap. And, you know, A, you want to think about your your own self and your day, but also, too, you want to think about your guests. And there's so many little unique opportunities that I've seen people do to entertain their guests, especially if it's a destination wedding or people are coming in town. There's a lot of little local restaurants that people can go grab a cocktail at, or sometimes people go home, they change anyway into their night attire. So, And then, you know, the couple can also take advantage of doing their pictures at that time, go to different locations. So there's a lot of things that a couple can do planning that has that gap. And it honestly... On the photographer's end, who's been doing this for so many years, it is very common that just as common as you go right from your parish to your reception hall, you do also have also to a, a large gap of a few hours because it obviously, like you said, it goes on when the church is available and also to when the venue um, is available and, or when you would like for people to start having dinner for services for your celebration. But with that said, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I would love to start actually talking about the Catholic ceremony, some details, how you can make it unique, and we can kind of go from there. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarazarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcast. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now, let's get back to the episode. All right, well, welcome back, podcast friends. So right before the break, we were talking with Father Patrick a little bit about if 
having a Catholic ceremony was right for you. So now let's actually get into the Catholic ceremony. So Father Patrick, for our listeners, let's say they now have decided that it's right for them and this is something that they want to do. Talk to me a little bit about the actual Catholic ceremony. Good, so the first big question that's gonna come up, Sarah, is people will ask, do I have to have a mass? And I always kind of, I always kind of laugh at the phrasing, you know, do I have to have? Um, but, but it's a totally legitimate one, right? Because people are saying like, well, again, maybe some of my friends or family or guests are not Catholic. And so they, 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 they might not be as comfortable with a full mass. The answer is no, you don't have to have a mass. So in the church's eyes, there are two main ways that, uh, two main fora, two main rites for the sacrament of marriage. And one is just the right, the exchange of vows itself. You know, it includes readings and there's an opportunity to have music. So it can still be uh, fairly decorous, fairly formal. Uh, depending on, again, the choices that the couple makes, uh, or to exchange the vows and have the marriage ceremony in the context of a whole mass. So again, I think a lot of that, a lot of that conversation about whether or not to have a mass depends on whether or not both partners are Catholic and whether or not um, this, the future spouses feel that their family and guests will be comfortable in a Catholic mass. And those are legitimate questions, you know, that, uh, that, that people are deciding for their wedding day. Exactly. And it's funny because on the other side, right? So as a photographer, when I'm talking with our couples, I literally on the question form is one of them like, are you having a full mass, quote unquote, or are you not? And what I mean by that is obviously the sacrament of communion, right? And exactly. it's, so it's just funny because you're getting it on your end and then here I am asking them. Um, it's just because it kind of goes into my timeline and planning how long the ceremony will be. What are some other things, though, that couples can do to make their ceremony unique? You said in the very beginning that a lot of times people feel like it's very cookie cutter and they can't personalize their Catholic ceremony. What can they do if they want to add a little more you know, uniqueness to their ceremony? So one of the beautiful things uh, about preparing for a wedding is taking seriously the selection of readings. So uh, the church has a list, you know, there, there are some prescriptions about the selections of scripture, which are, uh, are to be read during a wedding ceremony, you know, so you choose from a, from a kind of menu of options, right? Um, but taking seriously those choices, reading the readings together as a couple, discussing, discussing what resonates in the scripture with you, that can make a huge impact on the wedding day, especially if you share those reasons why you chose the readings you chose with the priest. So some priests will be very good about this as they construct their homily. They'll ask, uh, why did you choose this or that reading? And then the priest can give the couple's reasons, you know, what resonated with the couple in the homily referring to the scriptures as he narrates the couple's story. So, so I think that's a, that's a very important thing. Most priests will do that. Um, some may, may or may not. Um, but that is a beautiful exercise, regardless of whether the priest includes those those comments that you make in his homily, it's a beautiful exercise for the couple to help them feel like, uh, not not just feel, but but to help them claim and own the choices that they've made for the ceremony. I love that because I have to tell you, a lot of times when I'm there, there's obviously moments where we don't need the pictures taken. So we kind of just sit back and we listen. And a lot of it is when the priest is speaking in the very beginning. And it's interesting for me because you start to get a little bit like you said, a lot of priests do a really good, like a really good job at this. You start to understand a little bit about the couple, why they chose a lot of the readings or 
just how they met sometimes the priest will talk about or just general just stuff about marriage in general right but for me all eyes are on the couple but as a photographer sometimes I'm looking around the parish I'm just kind of watching the couples that are there whether you know some some people are single hey but you know I'm looking at the couples and I'm just kind of watching a little bit more hand-holding happening a little bit more nodding a little you start to see people kind of lean into each other a little bit you know I, I don't know just loves in the air I guess and and so a lot of times I feel the priests do a really good job of just kind of talking about marriage and the journey it's just interesting that I just I enjoy that part of the Catholic ceremony when I am there working which I don't find it very personal and every single priest says something very different and I think it's for the listeners that is really a very custom piece of your ceremony another thing that's kind of signature for Catholic weddings and this is this is cultural the church does not require this uh, are these big bridal parties, right? So a lot of times when people envision a Catholic wedding, they think, okay, you know, we've got to have dozens of people standing up around the altar, all in beautiful matching suits and dresses. That is not required by the church. The church requires that you name two witnesses. So two people who will sign uh, that, that so-and-so were validly married in the church because marriage is a public act in the eyes of the church. So you have to have witnesses. That's it. That's the bare minimum. You need a bridegroom and two witnesses and a priest. And you're all set for the wedding. So, so that can mean then that that you have a lot of flexibility to to determine your bridal party and where they stand and how present or visible they are in the ceremony. So some brides, for example, will prefer to be with just their groom, uh, not flanked by the bridal party at, at either the beginning of the ceremony or at the exchange of vows. So those are options that, that are totally fluid. Um, you don't have to have the bridal party to process in. You can have the bridal party process in. There are options as to whether the groomsmen come in from the sacristy or the back of the church. All of those things are very fluid. Um, at, your priest might have particular preferences. You know, different parishes might have different customs about these things. But it's worth asking particularly uh, questions about what the expectations from the church are about where, uh, and by church, I mean the particular parish, the location of your wedding, because there's a lot of flexibility with the bridal party. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's another way to personalize it. You you are right. I've seen so many different bridal parties, the way they come in, they come out, where they stand, whether they don't. It's a very fluid situation. So I think in general, it's really important for the listeners to understand that that's another way you can customize your ceremony. What about people wanting to involve family members? What is some ways that they can customize their ceremony and in involving those that they love? Yeah, absolutely. That's really important um, for, for brides and grooms. And it's important for the church because it's an opportunity to, to ask, for example, a godparent. That's a beautiful Catholic custom of asking a godparent to proclaim one of the readings or to proclaim the prayers of the faithful. That's another thing that could be customized by a couple. You can write the petitions, the, the kind of prayers that are read after, uh, after, the, after the, uh, the vows are exchanged, and w which can be a beautiful thing if, if a couple wants to write those. There are you know, several different formula that, that can be chosen from two, of course. Um, couples can ask parents to bring up the gifts if you're having a full mass, uh, which is another lovely moment often, or, or perhaps again, godparents. Um, so, so those are a couple opportunities to involve uh, other family members that maybe a couple doesn't think of or see right at the beginning of the planning of their ceremony. What about vows? Well, we've got them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a lot of people know that uh, the Catholic Church does not permit couples to write their own vows, so that's not 
shattering anyone's world. I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty widely understood. The Catholic liturgy is, is very heavily ritualized, and that's part of our tradition and our custom. There are, however, choices uh, with the way and the text that the couples can say when they proclaim their vows. So couples can repeat the vows and, and proclaim them to each other. So I have seen couples, and this is very beautiful, memorize the vows formula and say them, you know, from their heart, right? So they take the text of the church and without being, without any kind of words in front of them or without the priest, they, they profess the vow, um, which is incredible. You know, that's really beautiful. Um, you, you, maybe you've seen at a ceremony where a priest kind of says the, says line by line and the couple repeats the vow, the full vow afterwards. The other option of course, is for the priest to proclaim the vow and, and then to ask it in a, in a question and the bride or groom then answer simply, I do, right? Which is like part of the Catholic wedding imagination. You know, you get to the altar and you say, I do. Uh, so that, so that's part of, that's a huge part of, uh, of, of our, our understanding of weddings. And then along with those options, the vows text, the text of the vows, uh, there are two options. There's one that I would, I would say is just totally based, right? Until death do us part. Um, and then there's one that's a little bit more, uh, more more open that i would that i would say is a little bit warmer right where where a couple um where a couple says uh, all the days of my life so so there are options with with the actual formula as well father patrick what are some other options that couples can do in their catholic ceremony to make it unique to them you talked a little bit about having your family members bring up the communion but what are some other options that you've seen or that you offer to your couples so I think another another beautiful one, um, and I th I'm pretty sure this is an Italian tradition, but uh, to make an offering of flowers to the Virgin Mary to ask Our Lady's intercession. So this is when you get to a wedding, right? And you hear a beautiful Ave Maria sung and the couple goes over and they offer flowers to the Virgin Mary. I always, despite not being Italian, I always encourage couples to do this because that so many couples have told me that that is the only moment of prayer they get in their entire day. Because what, what, when does that happen in the ceremony? Well, after you're married. And so it's just the bride and groom standing there together, usually before a beautiful statue or other image of the Virgin Mary. And they have one moment just to pray together. And it becomes something that, that they can really go back to and cling to from their wedding day. But of course, you know, one thing we didn't mention is music, that, that music entirely reflects a couple's personality. Now, again, like with scripture, uh, typically there's a kind of menu of options and those are important to consider from the church's perspective. We want sacred music, so nothing, uh, no Led Zeppelin, nothing secular. Um, <laughs> but also some of those selections are going to be dependent on the musicians who are there. So uh, I think part of part of what's at stake here is the reality of what what is able to be performed in, in a church uh, beautifully. <laughs> so so not every not every choir, not every organist, not every cantor has the same expertise, has the same skill level. And so some of what is being proposed by the church, I think it's good for couples to remember, is simply what is able to be sung well. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, that's the reality, right? Because <laughs> we've, been, we've been there when it's ugly. And I would spare, I would spare every couple that, you know, if, if possible. <laughs> or if you want something unique, go that route. <laughs> <laughs> what about, so hey, we talked about all of the um, the different options that someone can do and everything that's everything's going right and all this lovely planning and how you can plan but here's the reality sometimes you can plan and you can pick unique 
uh, items for your ceremony and readings and music. But here's the deal. What happens if just time gets ahead of you and the couple or someone's running late or the ceremony just starts late? What do we do with this? Good. So there are a lot of things a priest can do to uh, to oversee the tempo of the liturgy. You know, so in so in such a case, um, there there are prayers, uh, particularly in the mass, that can be expedited. There are options within the mass for for longer or shorter Eucharistic prayers, for example. And if a priest knows, okay, I got to move, he can he can arrange things in the liturgy to 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 keep things going. So. Uh, again, I think the key is to let the celebrant know what's going on with the time, with the timing as soon as possible, you know, to have a wedding coordinator or a bridesmaid get in touch with the celebrant and say, you know, look, we're, we're going to be pressed for time here. Uh, are there things you can do in the ceremony? I mean, one of the biggest things that people aren't really aware of it, but the thing that takes a lot of time in a Catholic wedding are the processions. You know, when you, when you start, when, when you start at the beginning and you hear you hear some beautiful music, you know you're in for a good 10, 15 minute sit before the bride shows up. So, so there, there are ways of, of kind of trimming some of the some of the pageantry um, if push comes to shove really, really with the schedule. Uh, my word though is a, as a priest is, you know, it's a wedding day. Just roll with it. The venue's going to roll with it. People will be accommodating. It's a little bit messy, and there's a lot. There's already enough stress on you because your crazy step grandma is running around, or whatever it is. Um, so, so couples really, I think, uh, should see that that is an invitation to just kind of be open to to whatever comes in the day. Because that's marriage. <laughs> there's always going to be. Not everything's going to be planned, right? Talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing now after the ceremony. So before they all live happily ever after, actually after the ceremony, are you finding that couples are going into receiving lines? What are you finding that people do as they progress out? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I wish that more couples did do receiving lines as a point of fact, because I think it's a beautiful way for them to greet their guests before heading to the reception, particularly as you mentioned, if there's if there's some time between the ceremony at the church and the reception itself, um, so so I think it's a very lovely way to greet guests, and I, I find it uh, just a bit a bit more formal, a bit more handsome than visiting the tables at a reception. That's totally a personal preference. Now, some places that might not be an option to do a receiving line after a ceremony because there's another event happening in the church. So. I say that, you know, cautioning brides before they get their hearts <laughs> set on that. Um, but but so so that was once, I think, a more prominent custom than it is now. Uh, typically, couples will take pictures in the church, you know, with their celebrant. Um, this is an extraordinary thing, very beautiful thing, um, very lovely thing. That's part of part of uh, part of the expectation, I think, of, of the priest celebrant for a wedding uh, for a few photos afterward. I just have to just say one thing about the receiving line i need to, it to come back so like a lot of times people have this love hate with uh with the receiving line but just kind of throwing this out there for me and you also kind of touched upon the reason why is a lot of times i'm finding that couples were cutting it out right they were going immediately to their reception or they were going immediately to do photos or they needed people to leave the church so they could come back around and like you said take pictures 
obviously something very special to them where they got married right there in front of the parish. But uh, I would love for people to bring it back. I'm starting to see the trend leave. And the reason being is it's exactly that. You do have to, you don't have to, but you should, right? It's just a nice thing to do. Greet and welcome and thank your guest for coming to your actual wedding. I mean, that was the ceremony. That's why they're all there. Yeah, they're there for the party too, but they're there to see you all get married. And there is definitely something to be said about having to do it at your reception you don't get to sit as a couple. You don't get to sit and eat your meal. You are up and about and you're talking to everybody else except for just really taking that moment in and being as a couple, whether it be at your sweetheart table or your main table. So if you do a receiving line, I do feel you kind of get that out of the way. And also too, your guests feel like they get to give you hugs and and welcome you and, and I mean, sorry, you welcoming them. I mean, obviously you have to check with your parish, obviously, like you said, because time may not allow it but if it does it's definitely something that can be done correctly and quickly i mean you don't have to even do everybody you don't have to have your entire wedding party or your family it could just be the two of you so it's just something to think about i i I would love to see it done more with that said though once a couple finishes their ceremony and their day what happens after what do they need to do in the eyes of the church after their entire ceremony is over be catholic <laughs> no the uh, the the no the uh, the the extraordinary and joyful thing i think is to is to sh- the most important thing is to share with other couples your experience particularly if there's a priest or a parish or a musician or someone that helped you to pray well and to have a lovely experience on your wedding day to to be to be bold about talking about that because i think now we're to the point where more people are inclined not to get married in the church. So if you've had a beautiful experience and you are and you are ready to talk about that, that goes a long way to encouraging other Catholic couples to pursue a wedding in the church. Because as we've been talking about today, there are a lot of obstacles. There, there are a lot of things that, that, that are complicated to navigate a Catholic wedding. And you and your spouse saying, this made a difference in our life, can really be encouraging to another couple so that they can find the same graces, the same joys and happiness that you found on your wedding day. Well, Father Patrick, we could literally sit here and dissect the Catholic ceremony for days, but it is time for our wrap-up question. With that said, what are some key points that couples should be thinking about when considering having a Catholic ceremony? Yeah, I think the first is to communicate early and often with priests and parish staff. Again, it can be frustrating for a couple to try and navigate the question of whether or not a Catholic ceremony is right for them, and then to confirm the reservations of the church and their celebrant. Um, so recognize that that might take some time, uh, but, but, to, but to really take the initiative, understanding that a parish is gonna have limited resources uh, to, to help, help support a couple through that. Um, so that would be my first point. I, I would say the second would be to know that there are options, there are many options to customize a Catholic ceremony. And so to take those seriously as you prepare for the day, to plan your readings and scriptures. And finally, I would say that there are beautiful ways and many differences of how to involve family members and friends in a Catholic ceremony. Um, So think about how you want to how you want to present and involve your loved ones in your big day. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's 
episode of Wedding Secrets Unveiled, you helped our listeners become one step closer to their journey of a stress-free wedding planning. Can you tell everyone where they could find you? Sure. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Patrick Mary OP. I also mentioned that I'm the editor of our Sunday Visitor, which is a Catholic newspaper and publishing company. We have a beautiful website called catholicweddinghelp.com. Uh, I say beautiful, it's a little clunky, but but it has all the answers you're looking for. It's very navigable. And there's a marvelous companion that our publishing company has produced, and that is aesthetically gorgeous. It's called the Catholic Wedding Planner, and it's a fabulous guide for every Catholic couple as they prepare for their wedding day. And for something a little bit more casual, if you like the kind of tone of this episode, uh, check out our Dominican Friars podcast, which is called Godsplaining. You can follow that podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Godsplaining. And for our listeners, what I will do is I'll have Father Patrick's information on our episode show notes, which you can find on our blog and also on our website page, which is at sarazarella.com backslash podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes, along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, we have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.